Hopefully all of you had your fill this week and that you don't fall asleep while I preach (laughs) to you this morning. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to John chapter 18. We're going to be in verses 33 and following. There is the title of my message, Why Did Jesus Come Into the World? It's a great question because every year this Christmas season, as it rolls around, the awesomeness, as we ponder the awesomeness of Jesus coming into the world, we are on the precipice of this, right, of Advent, and we should begin this morning to ask ourselves, why did Jesus come into the world? Why did Jesus come into the world, or what meaning does Jesus Christ have in coming into the world? Or maybe more personally, what difference should this man make in my life? What difference does this man make in my marriage, in my work, in my leisure time, in my thinking, the way that I think rationally? What difference does Christ make? What difference does Christ make in my emotions, the way my heart feels about things? Why did Jesus come into the world? Answers will vary this morning, there's no doubt about that, but the words that have always been so intriguing to me are the words that come from Christ towards the end of his life. And you can look at them there with me in John chapter 18, verse 37. John 18, 37. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was what? I was born, and for this purpose I have what? Come into the world. Here it is. This is what I would underline, circle, highlight. To bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth this morning. Christ is going to bear witness to the truth this morning. Here is one of the clearest and most objective statements that Jesus made about the reason he came into the world. And what I want to open up for us this morning from John 18 is two implications of this and one exhortation that will send you dashing out the door And applying this message to your life, especially as we head into Advent. All right? Are you ready? Here they are. Implication number one. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that matters in our culture today. Because Jesus Christ is the greatest authority. Period. Implication number two. Truth is on trial here. Don't miss this. Jesus came to testify to the truth, and in a world that is dead set against truth, Jesus is elevating it this morning. 
He just elevates it. He brings it up 15 notches this morning. And I want you to see that. And here's the exhortation. So there's the two implications. Here's the exhortation. We need to plead with people and love people in such a way that they would not walk away from Christ like Pilate did this morning in our text. Because there are thousands of Pilates that live around us each day and walk amongst us. And they, they don't give a rip about Christ. And we need to plead with them and love them in such a way that they're going to be felt with the gospel. So here we go. Perhaps some setting and what's happening here in our text. One of the oldest creeds of the church, we say it, it's from the second, third century. We say it every morning, right? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. I'm, I'm always amazed that Pontius Pilate is referenced out of all the historical figures in the life of Jesus in the creed. But it shouldn't be surprising because Pilate plays a vital role in redemptive history. Because he functions in the death of Christ as the public authority who is in the position of judgment. And here he is in our text this morning. Because this is the last and this is the final stop for Jesus before he is delivered up for crucifixion, which would be a humiliating and suffering Roman crucifixion. It's also worthy to note that Pilate, being the governor of Judea, historically did not always fare well in his dealings with the Jews. This man was a terrible leader. Terrible. He is constantly pulled between trying to keep Rome happy and Jewish uprisings of being squelched. There's always this tension for Pilate. And he's cynical, and you see that this morning, and he's fed up with the Jews and all this nonsense of Jesus. But at the same time, he's weak and he's pliable because he doesn't want anything getting back to Rome. He doesn't want the apple cart being upturned. And so he wimps out, and you see that this morning. And you can see it in his tone, you infer it from his statements. Pontius Pilate is your atypical postmodern cynic. Which brings us to our first implication. Jesus is king. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers what? You say rightly that I am a king. And so... The way that we should see that statement is to what? It's to take courage, right? It should make us happy. It should make us smile. It should know, we should know that the sky isn't going to fall today because Jesus is king. We take courage to believe that Jesus is Lord of all. For real believing leads to confessing. And our call is to confess the Lord Jesus in a world that hates him, knowing that we too will be hated, and this will be hard, but we're not to be surprised. Rather, we are to take heart and to have courage, for Jesus has overcome the world. 
And in him so shall what? So shall we. And so we pray in boldness and awe and wonder. With bowed knees and joy-filled hearts, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of hosts. He's the only God, the true God from, from heaven, the bread of heaven, the light of the world, the way and the truth, the resurrection and life, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. The day is coming brothers and sisters, the day is coming. Mark it down. When every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Jesus is King. And it says in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. When Jesus died on the cross, making atonement by his blood for our sins, Satan was defeated. Christ disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in the cross. The sting of death was removed. The power of sin was broken. Jesus is king. Implication number two, Truth is on trial here. Make no mistake, truth is still on trial today. Right? We see that here in our text. We didn't read it. I don't think you read it. Verse 38, you see Pilate respond what? You can see it there in your text. You can almost hear him, can't you? What, what's truth? What is truth? It's a world in which his message has been nullified even before it is spoken. Because truth is seen as the rotten root of bigotry and intolerance and prejudice. But relativism, on the other hand, right? Relativism. <laughs> well, it's seen as the wholesome mother of cultural respect, intolerance, and peace. In other words... The biblical message of Christmas in America today not only runs into the obstacle that Jesus has been taken out of Christmas, but also the deeper problem that truth has been taken out of all reality. That's where we're at. Welcome to 21st century. Right? Truth is five words on a Facebook page. <laughs> if somebody posts, By and large, people don't think about absolute truth anymore. They're not looking for the truth that can give meaning and purpose of all of life and history. Instead, people are trying to experience life to the full and then call that experience truth. 
truth for them. Not absolute truth, just truth for them. And the general guideline in this culture that we live in is simply, keep your monkey off my back, <laughs> right? I mean, what's true for you is true for you, and, but not for me. So just keep your truth to yourself, and I'll keep my truth to myself. And we need to be aware how deeply this view of truth is woven into the fabric of American life today. It affects all of us, more or less. And it does because we, we suppress the truth, don't we? We suppress the truth, we distort the truth, we reject the truth, we exchange the truth. It infects all of us. It infects all those that are born into this world. And you see that here in the text. Notice what Jesus says, right? Everyone who is of the truth, what? Listens to my voice. It's a great statement. And it's a great statement because we should infer something from this statement. And what should we infer? That there are sides. There are those that listen to the truth of his voice, and there are those that won't or cannot or will not listen to the truth of his voice. And so when Jesus makes the statement, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth, what he is saying is I have come to earth to live and die and be brought back to life to show that God reigns. And you, Pilate, and the priests out there, are all accountable to me on the day of judgment. I'm here to make that manifest. My mission is to bear witness to the truth. My kingdom is real. I'll judge every person and every proposition that the world brings before it. Of course, Pilate, the cynic, will have none of this. He leaves and he goes outside and he says what? which is the irony of the whole story. I find no guilt in him. Which is just so ironic, right? And the reason that he did not find any fault in him is because there was no fault to find in him. In a very indirect way, this sinful cynic this public servant of the earth proclaimed the sinlessness of Christ. So let me give you three questions just to ponder in application. I want to send you out the door with something to think about when it comes to this passage. Here's number one. Here's the first question. Who are the pilots in your life? Who are the pilots in your life? Or maybe the better question is this, where is your mission field? Because you can take John 18 to your mission field this morning. Who in my life needs to hear about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? 
who is the way, the truth, and the life. Where's my mission field? Great question would be, where's St. Paul's mission field? Where, we as a church, we as a parish, where's our mission field? Question number two, what or who am I following other than Jesus? What or who am I following other than Jesus? What or who has taken supremacy from Christ in my life? Who's first in my life this morning? Who's taken kingship from Jesus in my life? It can be a what, and it could be a who. Here's the third question. What lie am I believing today? What lie am I believing today? Where is Satan convincing me, duping me, to believe that this sin over here is better than Jesus? What is it in my life? What sin has a foothold in my life that I'm just believing it to be a lie? Brothers and sisters, as we embark on a new year, I want you always to remember that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That we have eternal security and deep intimacy. We have infinite wealth because we're in Christ. But best of all, remember this all the days of your life. We have Him. We have Him. I know this past week you, you thanked God for all the, the blessings that, we've, that we have, right? God has so blessed us with infinite amount of things. But don't always forget the giver. That's the message this morning. Remember Jesus is king. Remember truth is on the line in our culture. And now we need to take this out these doors and into Somerville. We're about to head into a time of confession, and so um, what better what better moments to just share with Christ our Lord in these, these times. So I just ask you to bow your head. I'm going to give you just a few moments just to ponder these questions I've given you this morning, ponder the application that you've been given um, as we head into a time of confession.